You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us as always. A lot going on this week. Judicial Watch sued over COVID. We have new disclosures related to critical race theory. And on top of that, we've got um, a big new lawsuit over Obama, excuse me, Freudian slip, Biden's Afghanistan debacle. Uh, a lot to talk about. First off, you may be wondering why I wasn't here last week. Well, I was busy. We had a big event last week with President Trump. Judicial Watch had a, a roundtable for our supporters. We met in uh, the Trump National at uh, Doral in Florida. We were going to meet up here in D.C., but we had to move it to Florida because we weren't sure, and we pretty much were correct in, in guessing right, that the leftists running the District of Columbia would allow us to meet in sufficient numbers uh, to educate our uh, supporters about the work we're doing and about the great work others are doing. Uh, so we had a great meeting last week. We had about 400 guests, and uh, President Trump honored us with his presence, and he spoke to us on Thursday night. And uh, he gave a great speech. Hopefully, we'll be releasing clips of it soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, as you might imagine, he's still upset about 2020. Uh, he said some interesting things about uh, what he plans to do. He didn't say he's going to run for office, but uh, it's clear he's thinking about it or running for the presidency again. Uh, so uh, it was just a wonderful event. And it reminds me how important our supporters are. Uh, because it's uh, supporters like those I met in Florida and those of you out here watching now that allow Judicial Watch to do the important work we're doing, that work that's so important that it was recognized by the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And uh, our supporters are enthused. They want our election secure. They want our border secure. They want our republic secure. And they want to be sure that the corruption that's endemic or pandemic here in Washington, maybe that's a more way, a more accurate way of putting it, giving its virulence, uh, is, um, is, is controlled. You know, the president, as I highlighted in um, the public statement we issued, uh, noting that he'd be appearing with Judicial Watch, the president is the whistleblower in chief, and he's been abused like no other president in the history of the country, and the abuse continues. You see in the news this week, uh, uh, the Pelosi Star Chamber illicit totalitarian investigation of 1-6 is uh, trying to destroy the presidency by asking for records that they know are privileged and they have no business having, harassing citizens about their views, uh, their First Amendment protected expression of their views on elections and other issues. Uh, it's 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 a terrible time here in Washington, and the president, President Trump, continues to be victimized by it. Uh, but I like to think uh, that um, uh, he recognizes, and certainly he expressed that at the meeting, uh, that Judicial Watch has been front and center in defending him, not because we like him, not because we always agree with his policies or 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 have a, a political agenda there, but because. He is a crime victim, a crime victim of government corruption. And uh, we're having further confirmation of that with this, this, the disclosures by John Durham, 
uh, with the indictment of Hillary Clinton's top campaign manager, excuse me, top campaign lawyer, one of two of them, uh, and news that her campaign looks to be under criminal investigation by John Durham now. So the president was right about Russia. Uh, and now we know uh, that um, not only was he right, but the evidence suggests that he was a crime victim. And Hillary did it. Obama did it. Looks like Joe Biden may have been involved as well. That would be my approach if I were John Durham. So we'll see what happens. So it was a great event last week. We appreciate the support of our donors. It's great to see them in person. I get excited too. I get pumped up visiting with our supporters, uh, get motivated. And I know our supporters are motivated. And I hope these, these um, you know, I talk about some pretty unpleasant things in these weekly updates. But my view is you can't address the solution. You can't begin to solve the problem unless you understand what the problem is. And the typical way of talking about what goes on here in Washington is uh, hides from you what the problem is and what should be the response. And so what Judicial Watch tries to do is get the documents out that show what the problem is so you're better informed as to what to do to solve the problem. And by problem, I mean, we have agencies that are run by lying incompetence, uh, usually corrupt, uh, that um, have really uh, have deep hatred for America and the American people. And so that's what we face now with the Biden administration. We saw it with the deep state under the Trump administration. It, that whole approach metastasized on the Obama administration and Judicial Watch has been front and center, sometimes virtually alone, and calling attention to this looming threat to our republic. And uh, the president, President Trump, appreciates it. Uh, the media hates us for it. The left hates us, hates us for it. But I know you, fellow patriot, appreciate us for it. So uh, hopefully, we'll have some clips coming out soon on what President Trump said specifically. But it was a great speech, as you might imagine. But uh, we. Uh, are going to, uh, now that we've been, I guess, uh, re re reinvigorated uh, by meeting with our donors, I know me and my, uh, uh, my colleagues at Judicial Watch are raring to go again. And sure enough, we have uh, important new lawsuits. And first out of the gate is the Biden disaster in Afghanistan, the surrender to Afghanistan, to the Taliban, the most humiliating defeat in the history of the United States of America. I was thinking, is it as bad as the War of 1812? I think it's worse because the correlation of forces, obviously, um, were to the benefit, I, I believe, it, to the British in 1812. Uh, but, but compared to uh, our forces, compared to the Taliban, that we surrendered to them, uh, abandoned Americans, uh, Biden's decision-making and incompetency and I think cognitive challenges led to 13 Americans at least being killed. Uh, they're Americans, for all we know, still stuck there. And uh, we turned that country over to the Taliban in a way they could, was, was preventable. I mean, Biden, if he was competent and could have had his cake and eaten it too, meaning pulled out of Afghanistan for all intents and purposes, while protecting our interests there. Instead, he just created a crisis and uh, we are going to hold him accountable. You know, the left and its media allies and frankly, much of the Republican leadership want to move on. 
but judicial watch isn't going to move on. We are going to town on the Afghanistan debacle. We have uh, countless FOIAs right now pending, and they're coming right, meaning they've been out there long enough that we can begin suing on them. Because as you might imagine, the Biden administration has zero interest in complying with the Freedom of Information Act when it comes to the Afghanistan debacle. And the first lawsuit we filed, I think is really interesting. Uh, because everyone presumes they know what happened in, in a, um, on an issue that is probably one of the most public issues related to Afghanistan or the, the debacle, which was that day when the, Af uh, the Kabul airport was overrun by Afghanis trying to flee the Taliban, and they were um, uh, you know, attaching and clinging to the plane as it flew, and several people died, and who knows how many other people died. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, the video of that uh, giant uh, Air Force plane with uh, the Afghanis uh, clinging to it. Um, you know, no movie director could have come up with something, uh, an image so horrifying and so emblematic of the uh, Biden Afghanistan disaster. So one thing we asked for from the Pentagon was, well, what, were, what went on there? What, what was going on? We want a fuller picture of the chaos at the airport. So we asked for videos and photos of Afghans clinging to or falling from the US military aircraft in Kabul. And uh, you know, really simple question, right? Uh, and of course the Pentagon failed to respond to our request. We asked for it immediately, August 16th, of uh, just a few months ago, and uh, we asked for the following images, including videos showing Afghans clinging to the sides of a U.S. military aircraft at the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. Images, including videos of persons falling from a U.S. Air Force C-17 military transport aircraft after taking off from the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. So human remains, as you may know, were found in the wheel well of a C-17 aircraft that had taken off from Kabul. And according to the Air Force, before the air crew could offload the cargo, the aircraft was surrounded by hundreds of Afghan civilians who had breached the airport perimeter, faced with a rapidly deteriorating security situation around the aircraft. The C-17 crew decided to depart the airfield as quickly as possible, so they fled. They fled. In addition to videos seen online and in press reports, human remains were discovered in the wheel well of the C-17 after it landed at Al-Udaid uh, Air Base, Qatar. The aircraft is currently impounded to provide time to collect the remains and inspect the aircraft before it is returned to flying status. Now, I don't want to see pictures of people dying or people about to die or people in harm's way because for just for the kicks of it, it's important that the American people have the full information about the Afghanistan debacle. So the administration can be held accountable and anyone else who screwed up can be held accountable. Biden's Afghanistan surrender was an unmitigated disaster that directly killed and placed in harm's way our troops and, and, and U.S. citizens. You know, one of the things that President Trump uh, made a point of in his uh, speech to Judicial Watch last week is that, you know, you have the individuals who died, but you also have troops who were injured for life 
We forget those, right? But those, that blood's on Biden's hands too, in my view. And of course, no one's ever going to forget the images of, of those Afghanis clinging to and falling from the plane. Adding to the Afghan scandal now, which is bad as it is, basic information like the photos and videos we're asking for are being hidden contrary to law from the American people. So what is Biden hiding about Afghanistan? Why is the Pentagon refusing to turn over videos and pictures of what went on at the airport, specifically some of the most dramatic images that probably folks have seen uh, since 9-11, frankly, in the United States? So what, what, a, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. And uh, the media would have you pretend we need to move on. Let's talk about the debt limit. Let's talk about infrastructure while ignoring the debacle in Afghanistan, which continues, which is ongoing. You know, just look up Taliban and see what they're doing in terms of killing people and doing the usual. Oh, by the way, because the media won't pick up on this for you, Biden has already begun funding the Taliban through the United Nations. He authorized uh, the expenditures of certain funds uh, using the United Nations as a cutout and another entity that the United States is the chief funder of. So they're money laundering your tax dollars to help the Taliban, quote, pay for healthcare workers in, um, in Afghanistan. So the Taliban's already getting money from Biden administration indirectly. I don't know how much more clear I could be, but it's there. And so not only did he surrender to the Taliban, he's now almost immediately begun funding their regime by helping them with, quote, healthcare workers using your tax dollars, authorizing um, uh, this global fund uh, that we fund to go in there for the United Nations and spend our tax dollars to help the Taliban, um, that the regime that is murdering and uh, keeping our people, murdering Lord knows how many people, but also, uh, uh, again, making it difficult for our, our fellow Americans who are still there to get out. So it's a nightmare situation. If there's ever a reason to impeach a president, I don't know what else one could come up with uh, in terms of uh, having sufficient reason to impeach a president than Biden's Afghanistan disaster. So let's move on. A lot going on here at Judicial Watch. A lot to get to. So, you know, I talked about, I talk often about the threat to our republic. And one of the major threats to our republic is the FBI and the Justice Department, which are out of control, which has been used repeatedly to target political enemies of those in power, specifically uh, the Obama-Clinton gang in the 2016 election. Prior to that, you had them targeting, um, and they were using the IRS too, infamously, the uh, Tea Party movement in 2012. Uh, and uh, now they're targeting just average Americans going to school board meetings, complaining about Marxist propaganda brainwashing going on under the guise of critical race theory, whatever you want to call it, in our nation's schools. And a liberal interest group, I think the National Association of School Board Administrators or something, something close to that, compared these parents to uh, domestic terrorists and suggested the use of the Patriot Act to target them. And just like that, 
you had, um, because they work hand in glove with the administration, it's clear, you had uh, Attorney General Garland uh, essentially uh, uh, issue an all hands on deck command to the national security establishment to target parents who are quote, threatening school board members. Now, I'm sure that's taking place somewhere, but that's a state issue in the least. What, what business does the FBI have over this issue? None. And, and it's designed to intimidate parents from going to these school board meetings and letting their views be known, not only about the critical race theory extremism, the transgender agenda extremism, you know, and the other threats uh, to the safety and security and the privacy of their children. And they want everyone now to know that if you go to these board meetings, the FBI may come knocking for you. Now, we already knew that they were planning this or, you know, this was their attitude using one six as a pretext. Now that we've had reports that the FBI had a, uh, had a, um, uh, a, a uh, informant among the Capitol Hill six protest, the January six protests, who entered the Capitol illegally. I mean, that's what they're told. If you entered the Capitol today, it was illegal. You're a criminal. You're the worst criminal in the history of the United States. I exaggerate, but not not too much when you look at the crazed filings and over the top statements by some of the judges here in the District of Columbia when talking about this incident. The FBI knew they were involved. In fact, the FBI was told by this informant, it's reported in the New York Times, that there was no grand conspiracy. So they moved around. You know, now they moved forward a little bit from 1-6. Now they're targeting parents who are concerned about their children's curriculum. And that's, you know, basic. The basic operations of our democracy is under attack from the Garland Biden Justice Department and the corrupted FBI, which is still run by Chris Ray, by the way. And uh, Judicial Watch has been front and center in highlighting these issues, exposing what's been going on, defending victims at the local level who, uh, we have a, a coach, Mike Flynn, who was fired and from uh, Deedham High School's, uh, as Deedham High School's football coach for objecting to a seventh grade um, I think his daughter was in seventh grade at the time. Ancient history class, she's getting taught Black Lives Matter and CRT propaganda. He said, what, what's up with that? And he took, his, he took his daughter out of the school. And then they fired him a few months later for daring to object as a parent. So we're suing, civil rights lawsuit. Teacher in Illinois, same type of issue. She complains or, or talked about the crazed violence. Last summer, she got fired. So, you know, it's the civil rights of those who oppose the left that are being targeted. And, uh, and I've said it before, you know, Judicial Watch is a civil rights organization. I and mean, we've taken the lead on some core civil rights issues, you know, that the left pretended to be interested in with the ACLU and that type. I never bought, I never believed that they were really interested in it because of their extremist nature. They, they were interested in civil liberties issues generally. Uh, to attack the United States by, it wasn't about civil liberties, it was about something else, which was uh, attacking the United States. And sure enough, the ACLU 
is on the wrong side of virtually every civil liberties issue that's at issue right now. And it's Judicial Watch that stepped up. And a whistleblower uh, came to Judicial Watch from uh, just recently, Rhode Island. Uh, there's a school district up there, the Westerly School District, and Rhode Island has been a hotbed for this type of issue. Uh, and they gave us a third, uh, the whistleblower gave us a 55, excuse me, 53 page training document from a whistleblower uh, from uh, the Westerly School District in Rhode Island, which details how the public schools there were using teachers to push critical race theory. The training course was assembled by the left-leaning Highlander Institute. Go to their website and look them up. You'll see they are left-leaning. That's a charitable way of putting it. And it cites quotes from uh, someone called Bettina Love, from whom the Biden administration had to distance itself publicly after her statements equating whiteness to oppression. So she's a racist. The school district continues to deny it teaches critical race theory, which I think is interesting in light of the document we uncovered as a result of this brave whistleblower. The training course for teachers entitled, quote, culturally responsive and sustaining pedagog pedagogy is taught by Vera de, Jesus, de, de Jesus and Michaela Cornella, uh, partners at the Highlander Institute, which um, has an about section on its website that describes itself again as um, some, a group that partners with communities to imagine and create more equitable, their equity, equity is code for Marxism, relevant and effective schools. It's named after the Highlander Folk School, a social justice leadership training school and cultural center located in Tennessee. And it was known for its role during the civil rights movement. So maybe, you know, it did some good work back in the day, who knows? The training course claims that there are, quote, unfortunate truths about truths about the history of Rhode Island and the United States. There is systemic inequity, again, that communist catch-all word, that must be overcome in the school system. So for those of you who don't follow this debate closely, the left has changed the terms of our social contract from equality for all for to equity for all. Equality for all means that people have equal opportunity, no one is targeted because of their race, and the government is supposed to treat people fairly, uh, equal protection of the law. Equity is outcomes. That's the Marxist, that no matter what people do, no matter how well off they are or what they do personally that may restrict their ability to succeed, there has to be equity in outcomes. And in order to do that, you require totalitarianism. That's why it's communist. So whenever you hear equity, substitute the word Marxism, substitute the word communism. And when you have politicians, I don't know if they know better or not. They should know better because, you know, most of them are pretty smart. I know some of them may seem dumb, but, you know, they know, generally know what they're saying. Uh, equity is a code word for Marxism. Uh, the training course asks teachers how does, quote, systemic racism manifest itself, manifest itself in the education experience for students. So this training course tells teachers that their institutions are systemically racist, which means they're invalid, which means they should be torn down and destroyed. I mean, isn't that what it means? If it's systemically racist, how could any good, honest, ethical person of faith work in them? 
How? It's a Marxist way of saying something should be targeted for destruction in the revolution. The training course links to a video called Systemic Racism Explained from ACTV, ACT.TV, a far left YouTube channel. Go to that YouTube channel. Don't go now because I got still I still got a lot to say. And watch the videos. You'll see it's far left. The course instructs teachers to ask themselves, how do I challenge systemic inequity as an educator? So they write, they want the teachers to become Marxist activists. And it gets worse. The course goals are to, quote, foster and sustain cultural pluralism, ultimately for the purposes of social transformation. Again, the revolutionary concepts. Further, its stated goal is to, quote, disrupt, disrupt. They want your teachers to disrupt the impact of educational inequity. So they want them to, because the school system is systemically inequitable and systemically racist, the teachers are charged with disrupting the school systems and empower students to transform, again, the revolutionary term, transform from what to what? Their own lives, their communities and society. So again, revolutionaries, it's not even just about the schools. They want the students to be trained to be little Marxist revolutionaries. Oh, you know, they push about saying, uh, this is, goes on, awareness that we all operate within an inequitable system, as I've been saying, cognitive, cognitive development, where teachers, quote, leverage students' identities and interests. So misuse personal information of students, quote, leverage, and scaffold and develop students' thinking skills. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, scaffold. I mean, you know, let's just gobbledygook corporate speak, but it's all commie. Critical consciousness, again, another Marxist term of art, where the goal is that students are motivated to critical action, again, a Marxist term of art, so they can transform their lives, communities, and societies. Now, in case you're wondering, well, Tom, you know, that all sounds interesting, but that doesn't sound Marxist necessarily. I know you're drawing all these inferences, but you know maybe they're maybe you're just maybe they're just using words they think are hip, right? Well, how about this? The course teaches that students, the teachers, should focus on collectivism over individualism. Does that sound Marxist to you? It does to me? It sounds it's communism. In order to provide collective to promote collectivism, it states the teachers may have to quote gather information about students' identities. Again, personal information requires students to identify themselves by race and whatever other uh, 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 category the left is deemed to be important in terms of dividing Americans to further the communist revolution. These activities link to a journaling activity where students are promoted or prompted to write about the demographics of their neighborhood. Oh, so they're going to be little like little East German Stasi soldiers watching to see and turn in and report on the demographics of their neighborhood. And what are the demo what demographics are they going to be looking at? What, what, what is going on here? What is going on here? And so rather than 
threatening parents, a well-run Justice Department, the Civil Division, Civil Rights Division, I mean, should be investigating this rampant racism and abuse of power being pushed by these extremists, not only there in Rhode Island, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is going on all over the country. And the left is angry that parents are onto it, and that's why they're using the FBI to try to scare them and suppress them and jail them. The whistleblower documents show yet another school district under the rubric of critical race theory that wants to use teachers to abuse their positions and abuse our children to turn them into Marxist agitators. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty ticked about it. It's going on all over the place. It's, it's in our corporations. They're trying to destroy our military with similar moves. And, 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 um, and Judicial Watch, as far as I'm concerned, we can't do enough to investigate it and expose it. We've already uncovered similar activities in Maryland's largest school district, where, as I said, we're representing in civil rights lawsuits the victims of those who are targeted by the leftist school board administrators who are trying to drum out of the schools any teachers or anyone else who dares to dissent from the orthodoxy of the Marxist revolutionaries that are uh, guiding our children's curriculum. So more is coming. More is coming. I have more documents coming out. I know there's more documents coming out because I've seen the material. So we're not going to stop. The FBI isn't going to intimidate me. It isn't going to intimidate my colleagues. It's not going to intimidate our attorneys or our investigators or our whistleblowers. And I guarantee you they're not going to intimidate you. Because I've talked to you. I know what the parents are about. And they are not going to be cowed by the Biden, Obama, Clinton gang. That's what I call the collective running the city now. So you can go and look at this document directly on our website at judicialwatch.org. You can support our work directly on our website at judicialwatch.org. More is coming on this, that's for sure. Man, oh man. So the other big issue that we're not allowed to talk about is COVID. I said COVID now, it means that this video is going to be suppressed automatically by Facebook, YouTube, and all the rest. That's the way it is now. Uh, even though Judicial Watch is challenging misconduct by what I would allege to be misconduct by the Biden administration, who is has uh, taken steps to cover up the origins of the COVID virus. How do I mean that? Well, there was an investigation that had been initiated by the Trump administration through the State Department and a national security related investigation that uh, was allegedly shut down by the Biden gang. And we sued for information about that investigation. Uh, we filed a FOIA lawsuit against the Department of State for records related to an investigation at the origins of COVID by, quote, the Bureau of Arms Control and Verification. See, one of the angles of COVID that I at least been concerned about, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask the question, is that, you know, we've kind of limited the discussion to three things. Was COVID or did it, what did it have what is called a, zoo, a zoological origin, meaning that it came from nature? Was it, accident, was it the result of a natural virus that was collected by 
a scientist in China or somewhere, you know, the Wuhan Institute is obviously uh, the, the institute that was focusing on coronavirus bat research. And then it somehow leaked from there. Or was it the result of gain of function research that was going on and being funded by our government, it looks like. Uh, and that resulted in uh, the creation of COVID-19 uh, and it was released accidentally. But the fourth thing that uh, I would also suggest is it was a part of a bioweapons program. I don't know, maybe. The Chinese are covering everything up, so that's, we're allowed to ask the question, aren't we? And I don't have the answer to it. Uh, I tend to think, you know, my instinct is on this, that it was, um, it was an accidental leak that the Chinese took advantage of. It was a happy accident. That's my, that's my gut. But again, I don't have information to suggest that's true one way or another. It's just, you know, looking at what everything is out there that's public and, um, you know, and just assuming some, you know, basic uh, 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 looking at what I believe to be the motivations often of the Chinese communists that want to destroy America, why it might be uh, more than just uh, an accidental leak that was covered up, that it was purposely covered up because they knew what the consequences would be. And they were happy with those consequences, meaning the decimation of Western world. That was their goal. And I got it with the help of a lot of Westerners, unfortunately. So, what I, so I got distracted there because I went off about my theory of the COVID case. Uh, but, you know, uh, this group had done an investigation. They were behind a conclusion in January of, 2000, January of 2020, just before President Trump left, that there was suspicion that it came from Wuhan Institute. There was reason to believe it happened. And the Biden administration came in and shut down, it's alleged, that whole process to investigate this. Again, this is a, this is a national security type investigation. And there's a reason when I say Bureau of Arms Control and Verification, that raises questions, was it a biological weapon, doesn't it? Well, why would that group be investigating? So we asked for beginning in May, in May of 2021. So this has been around for a few months, this request, all records regarding the investigation into the origins of uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus and no COVID-19 by the Bureau of Arms Control and Verification. So this is a State Department entity. And we wanted all reports created pursuant to the investigation, all related to the actual, all related to the actual proposed termination of the investigation, all related records of communications between any official employee or representative of the Department of State. This includes communications with any official of WHO, the government of China, or any other branch of government of the United States. So we wanted it all. That's why I, that's why I read you some of our FOIA requests. Because our investigators, when you're doing this for as long as we're doing it, and our lawyers as well, because they obviously help us on creating and crafting requests as well, you, you know what to ask for and how to ask for it. So I'm really proud of the product, the work product here, because it's, and plus it's so essential. I mean, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to America, right? In some ways, right? I would argue the response to COVID was worse than COVID, but we can debate that. But either way, it was terrible. So, you know, this is what I also love about Judicial Watch. So I read the story about this entity, this investigation being shut down. 
everyone else in town probably read the story if they're following the news. Maybe you read the story. You remember it, right? It was back in May, April, May. But you'd be surprised that these issues that it's like, oh, well, there's a scandal there. Isn't there anyone looking into it? No, that's not what happens. You have major developments, major news, major corruption issues emerging. And then the media drop it. Congress drops it. No one asks any questions. And so people say, well, just watch your grade. How do you do all this? Well, you know, a lot of it is, well, we'll read the newspaper and ask follow-up questions. We do the heavy lifting that Congress refuses to do, that the media refuses to do. And it's not rocket science in the sense that it's an obviously important issue, but I guess it's brilliance in here in Washington, D.C., because no one wants to do that sort of work. And it's, it's our, and I'm going to praise Judicial Watch here because I don't do it enough, frankly. It's our courage. It's our strength, it's our persistence. We don't give up. Obviously the courts say no sometimes and we have to give up, but we keep on pushing. And this is the guy who evidently was working, you know, we open up to it here. This is what he said about the whole situation. So the Biden administration says they didn't shut anything down. They ended their work and other people are looking at it. Well, others disagree. So there's a debate there. And that's why these documents are important, you know, because they show what they show. Is it true? Because one bureaucrat said, I saw what they were doing. I didn't, I didn't think it was credible. So I told them, you know, you know, so I didn't like it. So, um, Give me a second here, Matt. I'm at the break here. So this is Fox News. Fox News reported that um, David Asher, who had a history of investigative work tracking money for AQ Khan's, uh, the AQ Khan network, which was the Pakistani who was uh, pushing nuclear material or, or technology out of Pakistan, North Korea's nuclear program and top al-Qaeda leaders, was the contractor leading the investigation. Ford was one of the officials at the State Department who sought to block his and his team's efforts. In a statement to Fox News, Asher defended the investigation and said that at the time, some State Department colleagues were deliberately playing down possible links to China's biological weapons program. It is U.S. law to engage in effective arms control and nonproliferation, not facilitate it via scientific cooperation, quote unquote, in the name of threat reduction or refusal to engage in effective compliance with communist countries that openly aim to incorporate synthetic biology, gain-of-function research, into the future of warfare, apparently with our naive material and scientific assistance. This guy Asher knows what he's talking about. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be on the wrong, I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of bureaucratic fight with this someone who's so self, so evidently brilliant. We don't know for certain what happened in Wuhan. Like I said, we don't know for certain because the Chinese have covered it up. But we've had every reason to investigate and ask questions. As State Department's January 5th, as the State Department's January 15th statement said, and as additional disclosures and expert analyses of the last few months have underscored, there is probable cause for deep suspicion. 
So again, that was that memo that said that the Wuhan Institute of Virology collaborated on secret projects with China's military. So, I mean, so, so you know, Judicial Watch has pretty much gotten everything you know about the Wuhan Institute publicly, more or less, in the last four or five months as a result of Judicial Watch's litigation. Whether it be the fund, either directly or through pressure. Because they either release it to others or they give it to us because of our lawsuits. I know that's the case. So as Asher said later, as the State Department in the last months of the last administration, the Trump administration, at the State Department in the last months of the last administration, we didn't draw or assert any conclusions but we worked successfully to reveal certain facts and raise significant questions about the clear plausibility of a lab leak origin. This is a global public service and it is good that experts and journalists are increasingly turning their own attention to the issue, albeit belatedly. So Judicial Watch wasn't belated about it because Judicial Watch started asking about China and COVID immediately. Unlike the rest of the, uh, frankly, in comp, you know, I call it, it's either compromised or incompetent. You pick, pick your words. But the media didn't want to do the work, but Congress didn't want to do the work. And Biden's basically given up on it. So, but we're doing the investigation still because we're going to find out what the document, the government knew and when. And uh, that's why we filed this lawsuit about the, shut, the Biden administration shutdown of the COVID China national security investigation. Now, to me, that would be a big deal. Uh, but the Biden Justice Department, excuse me, the Biden State Department gets a free pass from the media. No one asked questions about Biden's collaboration with China when he was vice president through his son. Uh, and then any business that he was seeking and benefited from through his son uh, after he was vice president in the interregnum between his vice presidency and his presidency. Is Biden on? Is Biden compromised by his relationship with China through because of his son's and his family's racketeering operation? Dare I say it? I think so. But we're suing, and we've already sued repeatedly. More documents are coming on Fauci, on COVID, on the vaccines, and. We are second to none in actually being in court to try to get the truth about all these issues. And as I go, uh, I want to thank you for your support of Judicial Watch. If we didn't do it, no one would. If we're not doing it, no one will. And you allow us to keep up this great work. And I thank you so much for your support. And uh, I encourage you uh, to enjoy the holiday celebrate Columbus Day, which is under attack by the critical race theorists controlling the Biden administration and every, everywhere else culturally. Uh, but there's a lot to celebrate on Columbus Day. It's the, uh, it's the anniversary of the evangelization of the Americas, something to think about, right? And obviously the coming of, of um, uh, Western civilization and the origins of our fine and wonderful country. So happy Columbus Day to you, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update.
You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.